Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. take like one step every time that we would go to a new verse over there. I would like to start to walk up and then we would sing another verse and step back. Today your Bible's turn to um, Esther chapter, well, I have like 20 texts, sorry. Esther chapter number four is where we're going to be today. Um, Esther no, chapter number four. This is going to be the last lesson of our series that we entitled Blessings. Finding the blessings in the midst of the burdens, and um, it seems like it has been an appropriate series. Uh, we, you know, sometimes it goes in spurts. It seems like, but as a church as a whole, um, there are a lot of burdens that are represented in our congregation right now, and um, it normally is one of those things to where, for whatever reason, this age group is a little bit isolated. Um, from some of the health issues and health concerns that sometimes hits people, um, but that has been a little bit different this year, and so um, this has, uh, many of you are carrying burdens, you um, are carrying burdens into the new year that you thought you might be rid of uh, from last year, but the goal of the whole series has been this, is that uh, we started it the week of Thanksgiving, and um, one of the things that I challenge you with is that it is easy to maybe step back during the Thanksgiving season and say, well, what am I thankful for? Or what are the blessings in my life? And so we end up around holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas just listing all of the good things that have happened in our life. And sometimes what we are not good at is taking time to recognize the burdens or the blessings that have been mixed into the burdens. God brings burdens into your life and sometimes what we are do what we do is we just say well that's a burden i'm going to put it in a box and i'm going to leave it over here and i'm not going to touch it i'm not going to really mess with it especially not around the holidays i'm not going to fool with it but what i believe a child of god should be doing is stepping back and having this paradigm to where if god brings something into my life if god is working all things together for his good and for his glory then i should also be able to recognize the blessings that are encapsulated in the burdens. I actually was not planning to do this, but someone posted this this morning. Uh, I screenshot it for my own personal use, but uh, Brother Scott Polly posted, he said, it's in the nighttime hours of life that God gives rest. It's in the battles of life that God gives victory. It's in the storms of life that God gives peace. It's in the weak moments of life that God gives strength. And I want you to listen to this. He says, our problems are the means of experiencing God's presence. Our problems are the means of experiencing God's presence. Many times when life is good, when life is great, when we have nothing to worry about, let's just be honest, most of us are not coming to the throne of God desperately because we need him to work on our behalf. 
but when times get tough, when there are problems in our lives, it is an opportunity for us to experience God's presence. And so we're going to close out this series. I've encouraged you. Normally we have handouts. If you've been in this class any time at all, you know that I'm a big handout guy, okay? But um, normally I have handouts, but I've been encouraging you to put these in your phone, put them in a journal, put them in a notebook, something that you can go back to and revisit. Sometimes I know how handouts work in churches, okay? You'll go and you'll shove them in your Bible and it'll be July of 2025 and you'll think, oh, looky there, I've still got that bulletin from whenever, okay? And you'll look back on it and then it'll get crumpled up and it's probably got 12 pieces of gum shoved in all the corners of it, all right? I know how church works, okay? Um, but anyway, so I've been encouraging you to put it in your phone, put it in a journal or something. And so today we're gonna close out the series and kind of open up the new year with with this thought, the blessings of the burden of transition. The blessings of the burden of transition. The new year is a time of transition, whether you like it or not, whether you make resolutions or not, it is a time of transition. It is a time of change. It is a time where people begin to evaluate their life. They begin to evaluate what they didn't like. They begin to evaluate what they did like. They begin to maybe try to make changes. They begin to set goals. They begin to think differently about life. And it is a time of transition. But the truth is, is the transition can also be very burdensome. Some of you, you have things that you will face this year, some transitions, some changes in your life. Some of you will be graduating. Some of you are engaged. Some of you will be getting engaged. Some of you will be getting married. Those are all transitions, and those are exciting transitions, but those are also transitions that come with the burdens of change. Okay, now you no longer get a closet all to yourself. You have to share a closet with a mate. That is a big burden, okay? Um, especially for a girl, okay? Um, there's new jobs, there's new locations. Those are exciting transitions, but with every exciting transition, there also are difficulties and burdens. And so today, what I wanna simply walk you through is taking the time to identify the blessings in the midst of the burden of transition. We're gonna read Esther chapter number four. I don't know that there's anyone in scripture that quite experienced transition and a wake up call into some sort of life change than Esther, okay? Esther goes from being a very common person in the, on the streets, a, a family person, someone who is not well known to where she's immediately elevated to this prominent position of queen. She's almost put into a competition to where she has to earn the spot of queen, okay? There's a lot of things that are going on in her life and she's kind of thrust into this position and to make matters worse and to escalate it even more quickly. She doesn't just get to be a queen who gets to just kind of float around and drink tea with her pinky up. She now is a queen who is responsible for the well-being and safety of her family, of her people, of a whole nation because the Jews are going to be killed, okay? So she's thrust into this position. And I want you to see something. Many times we walk through the doors of transition because of opportunity. And we often walk out of the doors of transition because of difficulty. Okay, we're going to look at that in just a second, but I want that phrase to be ringing in your mind. We often walk through the doors of transition because of opportunity, and we often walk back out those same doors because of difficulty. And so with that in mind, let's look at Esther chapter number four. We're going to read verses one through 16. So a little bit of a lengthy passage. Just want you to set this, I just want to set the stage for you. But chapter number four, verse one says this, when Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes 
and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry and came even before the king's gate for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth and in every province with whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes so obviously this is a very serious situation okay so Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved. And she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. That is such a crucial phrase. <clears throat> to know what it was and to know why it was. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai into the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also, he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to, to show it unto Esther and to declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. And Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. And Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whatsoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai commanded to, to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me. Neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Could it be that you are brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? And if I perish, I perish. The blessings of the burden of transition. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, we thank you that you are a God who brings transition into our life. But, Lord, you do not push us or pull us through those doors alone. Lord, you are there with us. You are faithful to be who you, uh, who you have always been. And so just as we sung, may we learn to trust you. May we look back on those moments of trust and be able to say, just like the song we just sang, I'm so glad I learned to trust thee. Lord, there's so much that these young adults will face this year. Will face throughout their life there's different transitions there's different stages and many of them are met with excitement but the excitement cannot last forever and so we know that you are a god who is faithful in opportunity but also in difficulty in your name we pray amen i've been thinking a lot 
um, over the last couple of weeks and really as a result of this series and been thinking a lot about kind of how to close it out and I knew that this was kind of the closing lesson I knew this was the closing title but uh, over the last couple of weeks I've been um, kind of confronted with a lot of different I guess change a lot of different uh, things that I wasn't really expecting a lot of different things that are transitions and I guess if you want to put it like that and one of the things that I've begun to kind of diagnose in the lives of a lot of Christians in today's society and even in my own life is that I think that sometimes we are searching for a burdenless Christianity. Meaning this, that we often work harder to create a burden-free Christianity than we do at learning how to give God our burdens. Okay, I want to say that again because I don't want it to float past you. Many times we work harder at finding a burden-free Christianity than we learn or work at giving God our burdens. And sometimes we are kind of given this thought in throughout culture is that if something's difficult or something's draining you or something's hurting you or something's causing you pain or whatever, then just to remove it, okay? We, we've kind of been given that, that advice and that counsel from society is that if, well, if something's causing you stress, then eliminate the stress. Or if something's causing you to lose sleep at night, then, then get rid of it. And, and that's not the way that life works. You can't continually cut off everything that begins to bother you. And sometimes when you look at scripture, we tend to go and we, we're good at plucking out verses that say, well, look, God wants me to be happy and God wants me to be fulfilled and all of those things. And that, that is true. God wants you to be at peace. And we love Jeremiah 29, 11 because it makes us feel all nice and warm and fluffy. Okay. We like those verses. But the truth is, is that there's not a lot in scripture, if anything, that shows us that the Christian life will not be burdensome. In fact, just this week, my wife and I were having a conversation about something that we had kind of seen in someone's life and that they had kind of begun to begun to kind of talk about and the, there was all this stuff. And so uh, I won't go into detail too much. But uh, and I said, you know, what's funny is that the Apostle Paul was shipwrecked. He was thrown in prison. He was bitten by a snake. He was almost killed multiple times. And I wonder sometimes how many Christians would be able to have been an Apostle Paul. Because here's what we're normally good at as 2022 now Christians in America. Is that, well, you know what? This whole like church thing, like that's kind of inconvenient. Like it's, it's kind of a lot. Like I'm serving a lot. Like I'm loving people too much right now. And so, and it's just causing me a lot of stress. And it's causing me a lot of pain. It's causing me a lot of problems, and it's just burdensome. And guess what? There are times in life where it is burdensome. But the truth is, is that Christianity does not promise a burden-free life. In fact, let's recall, what did Jesus refer to discipleship and following him as? He says, if any man will come after me and deny himself and take up his cross. Okay? He, did, he compared it to crucifixion. And sometimes what we want is we want a non-crucified Christian life. 
We don't want to give up anything. We don't want to lack anything. We don't want, we definitely don't want stress. We definitely don't want our peace to be disturbed. We definitely don't want our finances to be disturbed. We definitely don't want our friendships and our relationships to be disturbed. And so what we end up doing is we end up cutting off our burdens rather than, and I want you to hear this, rather than saying, God, would you become real in the midst of my burdens? As Americans and as human beings, we're good at escaping pain, aren't we? You stick your hand on something hot, you pull it away, right? Someone pokes you or pinches you or whatever. I have three little kids, and there's times to where, like, when they cling on to me or whatever. The other day, Blakely got right back here on the fat back of my arm and was like squeezing it. And she's she's eight months or 11 months old, okay? She shouldn't, she shouldn't be able to hurt a flea, but her little National Geographic cat claws got right back there and was like pinching the fat of my arm, which is my own problem, all right? We're gonna work on it in the new year, all right? So it was pinching the fat of my arm and it was hurting like fire, and like I was pulling away, like, Blakely, get back, like, get off. And she doesn't know what she's doing, but because there was pain, there was movement, right? And so many times when we face a burden, it causes us to move somewhere that God did not intend for us to move, rather than it being something that gets us closer to God. Rather than it being something to where you say, God, I don't know how to handle this, so rather than run from it, I'm going to come to you with it. God, I don't know what to do in this transition, so rather than ignore it and try to escape it, I'm going to come to you and ask you for wisdom and how to handle it. Esther had every excuse to run from the burden of this transition. She could have gotten in there and said, if I'm going to stay queen, uh, think about all the change that I could bring if I, if I stayed queen. Think about how I could help people. Think about what good I could do. She had every excuse to not do what God had needed her to do. But she chose to use the burden of transition to glorify God and to say, God, will you work in the midst of my burden? So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three expectations when you're in transition. Three expectations when you're in transition. The first one is this. Expect transition to create opportunity. Expect transition to create opportunity. Let's just be honest. When we transition in life, it's normally because there's an opportunity, right? I don't care if you're transitioning from no job to McDonald's. You're transitioning there because there's opportunity. And it may just mean that you get free cheeseburgers, but there is opportunity there, okay? You transition, what did I say at the beginning? You walk through the door of transition because there's opportunity. No one gets you or talks you into transition by telling you, just so you know, you're going to be at the end of your rope. This creates absolutely nothing for you. There's no return for you. No one's signing on that dotted line, right? When transition occurs, it's normally because there's opportunity. I like this girl. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. You don't normally transition into marriage because you're like 50-50 on the fence, right? Like, yeah, you know what? It might work, right? You transition because there's opportunity. You transition to new jobs. You transition to new locations. You transition to new relationships. Any transition is because of opportunity. 
I'm sure that when Esther put herself into the king's court and decided that, you know what, I'm going to try this whole queen thing out, I'm sure that it was because there's some opportunity there, right? Man, what a beautiful story. What a beautiful picture that a Jewish girl, a Jewish common girl becomes the queen. There's opportunity there. And you transition because of opportunity. But I want you to watch this. Many times, the door that you walk through is the same door that you walk out when you experience or when you expect transition to create difficulty. The blessings of the burden of transition. <laughs> Thank you for reiterating that. <laughs> expect transition to create difficulty. Let's just be very honest right now as human beings and as Christians in this generation. We are soft, okay? When I say we are soft, I mean I am soft, we are soft. We are soft in regards to Christianity. You read through scripture. Just look at the stories of the 12 disciples, excluding Judas, okay? Just look at their life. 11 out of 12 of them, look at what they experienced. Look at how many people were pushed away by the time you start with five, Jesus feeding 5,000. And I know when everybody talks evangelistically, they're like, and that doesn't even include women and children. And so all of a sudden we have Jesus pastoring a mega church on the side of the hill. Okay, so like we're, we're, we've got Jesus like running 21,000 and feeding them. And that's all great because it makes the miracle even better. All right. But let's just say 5,000. You go from 5,000 in the Gospels to all of a sudden you've got 200 that are praying, and you have just a few disciples that stick with it. We're soft. We face one little thing, and it's like, well, you know what? I don't feel like I can do this. We face one hardship, and there's something, well, I don't know that I want to do this. Transition, when you go into transition, you go in because of opportunity. But you also have to step back and understand that when you walk through the door of transition because of opportunity, you need to expect that there will be difficulty and that there will be burdens and that there will be problems on the other side of that. That's not doom and gloom. That's not, that's not me trying to be the prophet of doom. That is me trying to get you to see that sometimes what we are guilty of saying, oh, well, this is God's will for my life. Everyone's excited on this side of the door, right? Like, this is God's will. I'm being obedient. I'm stepping out by faith. And then you step out by faith like, oh, stink don't like faith i'm going back this way right you step out by faith and guess what when you go to the other side of that door when you transition in the way that god has called you and wants you to the same faith that allowed you to walk through the door should be the same faith that sustains you on the other side of it the same faith that gave you an opportunity to obey God and to trust that God's will was perfect and how great of a God you served before the transition should be how great of a God you serve after the transition. Esther prayed and fasted to become the queen, and guess what? She probably prayed and fasted after she was the queen, and she prayed and fasted when the difficulty came. We cannot escape the burdens, but we can change our perspective of them. And one of the ways that we change the perspective of them is that the same God that was good enough over here is good enough over there. And if I walk into this transition expecting opportunity, but also stepping back and expecting and believing that there's going to be some difficulty, and when that difficulty comes, I will choose to trust God. The God who walked me through that door. 
I will choose to trust the God who helped me transition. I will choose to trust the God who has placed me in this position. Expect opportunity, but expect there to be some difficulty. Do you want to know why Daniel was successful in a new country, away from his family, away from his friends? The key to Daniel is Daniel 1.8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. And there are some of you right now that you can look at every New Year's resolution in the book. You can learn to play the guitar. You can learn to play the kazoo. Okay, whatever. Like you can pick up photography, all right? You can do everything in the book, but there's some of you, your New Year's resolution needs to be that right now I'm going to purpose in my heart that when difficult times come, I'm trusting the God who has brought me through them before. And then the last thing is this. Not only expect uh, transition to create opportunity, Expect transition to create difficulty, but expect transition to require stewardship. Expect transition to require stewardship. One of the things that we as Christians will have to decide in the near future is we will have to decide if we are living the Christian life for our glory or for God's glory. <coughs> We will have to decide what matters more to us, our pretty painted Pinterest life or glorifying God. We will have to decide whether or not we are going to steward the problems in our life for God's glory or for our glory. Christianity is not in a mess because of COVID, okay? Christianity is not in a mess because of whatever you want to blame it on over the last 18 months. Christianity has been in a mess for a very long time. COVID just exposed it. We're weak. We, we don't follow the same God during bad times that we do during good times. So guess what? When bad times get come, what's the first thing to go? Ah, God. I don't, I don't know what to do with this, so I guess you're not good anymore. And if we are going to be a generation that rises up and that does something for God in this whacked out, messed up, post-COVID, post-whatever world, okay? If that is who we want to be, it will require stewardship. Meaning this. There may come a day in your lifetime to where someone comes after your job because of your faith. And in that moment, you're going to have to decide what is worth it. Having a nice retirement and bank account or standing up for what you believe in. In your lifetime, there may come a day to where persecution comes into you and your family's life. And you're going to have to decide what is worth it. Am I here to steward this for myself? Am I here to create a burden-free Christianity? Or am I willing to take up my cross alongside of Christ and alongside of millions and thousands of other people who have stood before me, who have gotten Christianity to this point, who have gotten Christianity to my generation? Am I willing to stand up for what I believe in? Expect difficulty. Expect opportunity, but also expect an opportunity for you 
to show why and who you are stewarding this life for. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.